0: After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands, we got a goal! Look at the colors, we are set to go, let's go! We are kicking! Watch the blue! There we go! Yeah baby! Hey! hey you, you, got you got the power play, get out of here!
1: I already sticks Right here for the rough! Both guys, five minutes each, we're fighting! Hey hey! We're not doing this! I don't want to babysit all night! A little bit of nastiness today. Huh? Nothing oh, yeah. good's coming out of this big man! Have you seen this before? Yes, it's rule something point something. He's not
0: putting a stick in here. You. you keep your stick out of him. Here we go. It's us boys. Let's go. Hey, hey, hey. Let's go. After further review, it's the Scouting the Rest podcast. Here's your hosts, Todd Lewis and Josh Smith.
1: When you ready, big guy.
0: All right, guys, let's drop the puck. The NHL training camps have officially opened. The games are beginning. And you know what I think, Josh, is the best thing about the refs camp that has just concluded? There's no holding out. There's no asking for a trade. There's no people questioning when your contract is going to be renegotiated. It's all
1: done already. It's like, this is it. It's uh, That's all taken care of. Let's just get on the ice and get going. It's the beauty of it. It's the hockey without the business side, right? You don't have to worry about all the business and the paperwork and the negotiations. They just, they show up, they get it done, they get out there, they do the job. It's so much simpler than it is for the players, right? Absolutely.
0: Never any controversy, never any gray areas, just black and white like the stripes. Very
1: nice. Love that. (laughs) What a (laughs) tie-in.
0: This is the Scouting the Refs podcast. Please make sure you're following us on our social channels. For Josh, it's at Scouting the Refs on Twitter and on Instagram. You'll get me as well, at Todd Lewis Sports on both Twitter and Instagram. Okay, on this week's episode, let's make that a rule, making up the rules, and why do we need rules? I think that sort of encapsulates everything.
1: Oh, wait it, it does. I the, the latter one has me intrigued though, because if we didn't have rules, would be it'd be chaos?
0: Well, I guess maybe that's really the extreme, but there have been suggestions to maybe change, amend, or remove a few rules. And as you probably guessed by now, we are going to talk about rules today because if you saw the ESPN preseason piece about a bunch of things, they asked players at the media availability tour. What rules would you change? What rules would you add or eliminate? So the ESPN folks asked about rules. So Josh and I thought that we would talk about rules. And how about we go over some of these suggestions? Because there's some interesting ones, I think some good ones. And as you can imagine, I, of course, have gone about 11 billion degrees further on some of them <laughs> to make some suggestions.
1: Nice. Very nice. I know some of the players uh, went above and beyond. Some had some thoughts, some had some opinions, and some were a bit more radical in their approach to rewriting the rulebook. Some you may like, some you may dislike,
0: some you might just want to throw out the window. But I, I think it's good. Josh has a piece up on ScoutingTheRefs.com that encapsulates the ESPN article, and you can link to the ESPN article as well. And let's let's jump right into the first one from Darcy Kemper, who says, let's eliminate the trapezoid. Hallelujah. Yes, please.
1: More chaos. I'm on board with this one. I think it's, it's the rule that was put in place with a whole bunch of other things going on. I know they wanted to try to open up the game, get rid of the trap, downplay the importance of stick handling by goaltenders like Marty Turco, Martin Brodeur. So it had its place at that time. But the game has changed since then, and more overlooked is getting rid of the two-line pass, which also changed the game around the same time. So I think the trapezoid rule has far outlived its impact at this point. So I'm on board with Darcy. I think we get rid of the trapezoid. I don't think we need it. I think the game has changed since they put that rule in place, and you hit the nail on the head, Todd. You take that rule away, goalies may be more enticed to play the puck in dangerous locations and chaos. Always fun.
0: Chaos is always good. The other part, I think, too, and you sort of touched on it, I I think the rule was put in because there was such a great advantage by a couple of goaltenders in terms of puck handling. And honestly, I think that should be rewarded if that is one of the skills that you bring to the table. Then let the goaltenders use it. Let them play the puck to their ability. Because there are some goalies that that would like to see the size of the trapezoid increase to the to the attacking
1: <laughs> zone. I think. I think there there are some coaches who'd like to see the uh, the goalies be restricted from even leaving the crease. <laughs> with what happens sometimes?
0: Like a bungee cord, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> just just tie them in there. Pull the rope, they go right back. But you're you're absolutely right. It, it is a skill, and it's a rule that takes away the ability of a player to use one of their skills. I think of, it was uh, it was the Rangers. It was Shesterkin who made, gosh, it was a like a home run pass, I remember, from almost his own goal line all the way down the ice to set up a breakaway. And those types of things, I mean, it's fun, it's exciting, and, and I don't see why you wouldn't want more of that in the game, along with the goals that come from turnovers from goalies that may not be quite as adept at handling the puck. Well, speaking of chaos, how about the
0: suggestion from Jonathan Huberto, now of the Calgary Flames, no offside yes i think that would create
1: chaos so is that is that good chaos are we for that one because <laughs> so this one this hits a couple sore spots for folks because by not having offside then that also means we get rid of the offside review so the coach's challenge changes dramatically because yeah. we wipe out all those hundred reviews that took place for an offside situation we wipe out all of the let's take a second look before we can actually celebrate this goal type moments. I think it's a, it's a dramatic one. It's drastic, but again, we're, we're looking at a game that has changed quite a bit from the time that rule was implemented. And it it did make sense. I mean, we look at the progression of the game, having two line passes, the fact that, and I don't know if some younger fans even remember, you couldn't pass across two lines. So you couldn't be in the defensive zone and pass to a guy over the center red line. That was a two line pass. It'd be a whistle and a face off. So, it seems crazy to even consider that we wouldn't allow that type of pass today, and you maybe at one point we'll be looking back and thinking the same thing about offside. You want to put a guy cherry picking down there? Fine, you're you're playing shorthanded in your end, and there's a pretty pretty big risk of doing that. So maybe the game and the speed of it has outgrown the benefits of keeping the offside rule. Maybe Hubie's onto something.
0: It's an interesting one. I'm not sure if I'm ready to go quite that far yet, which you know somewhat sounds surprising to me, but that would open up essentially a three-line pass, potentially yes. a four-line pass <laughs> if a goalie <laughs> passes the puck from behind the goal line well, in his own end.
1: Go to the other goal line. You got a five-line pass now. <laughs>
0: Should there be some sort of reward for a five-line pass? I mean, if you can accomplish it, I think it's pretty worthwhile.
1: Well, yeah, you haven't, you haven't, we haven't extolled the merits of other things we can put in place for these these tricky accomplishments. I think there might be something to that.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm still not quite ready to go with the the full offside. I I think that's from not necessarily from Jonathan Huberto, but I think players that are less than vigilant and checking might open up the uh, no offside thing but i am not ready to go quite that far
1: yet no it's understandable it would make a, a big it'd be a big change but one that i wouldn't be surprised to see some leagues just toy with it to see how it goes the, the tricky part with that rule is it's so dependent on skill level At the NHL level, you have players that are so talented so fast that the impact of not having offside would be different than it would be potentially at a lower level or juniors. Mm. So I think that would be a hard one to judge, but it'd be fun to see. It takes some time, though, because players are so used to it. You're so ingrained in what offside means that I think it would take a few games to try to break that mindset that you can really go wherever you want.
0: Okay, we'll add that to the to the maybe pile. This suggestion, I think, will be popular with many and comes from Matthew Kachuk, who says, play three on three until there is a winner. No more shootout. I have kind of mixed feelings on this. Where do you
1: stand? I, I love it. I don't think the Players Association loves it, but the idea of let's just play a little bit longer, let's see how it goes. I think it makes a lot of sense. Three on three often results in a goal being scored. and And I think sometimes you have teams that hang on for the shootout. So now your strategy has to change because there's nothing else to hang on for. You've got to win it three on three. I would be surprised if a three on three overtime lasted more than 10 minutes, 90% of the time. I think you're mm-hmm. you're going to see these. The five minutes might not be enough, but I think in 10 minutes, you're going to see the majority of these games get resolved one way or another at that point. And, and I think then people can put the shootout aside. I think my only reservation is, while I agree and I, and I, I do enjoy the three on three hockey, like the shootout it is a gimmick i mean it's it's hockey but it's not quite the hockey yeah. that we're used to and and maybe that's okay but i i'm not against it I, I do love the 3 on 3 i'll give you that
0: well i agree that the 3 on 3 is fun it was more fun when it first came in because now the coaches have gotten their hands into it and <laughs> ruined it for everyone and that's and i think that's part of the the reason why more games aren't decided in the five minutes because now we'll see teams that will circle back, leave the attacking zone, and then regroup. So I think if you can address that somehow, then maybe there's something to look at. If you put a maximum of 10 minutes on it, I'd be okay with that. But here's the proviso. You can't keep putting the same six players back out on the ice again. And that's the part that the players association gets upset with is, well, if you play 20% of your games in overtime, then your top players are getting that much more ice time and getting worn down that much more. So if you have to go through your bench a little bit deeper, I think that might be more inviting i as well and I think that will also have more games decided in OT.
1: Oh, that's that's a good one. It it puts more strategy on there too because, you know, do you want to go top line against top line or If you do that now, your third line becomes that much more important because you're going to rely on them to not just hold down the fort, but you might need them to win. So that's that's an interesting take there. It's kind of the way the the shootout
0: works now is that you go through the entire roster before you you can start repeating. And again, if it if it opens things up, if it makes things get decided with actual on ice play as opposed to the shootout I'm okay with that but I think you got to cut it off at 10 minutes because inevitably we would have one of these triple overtime games in February and teams (laughs) would miss their charters and it would create it would create schedule chaos is what it would
1: create yeah and when you have those situations especially with the importance of uh, conference games divisional games things like that you know you, you can't you can't go three overtimes. You can't keep playing indefinitely on a meaningless game against the team uh, from the other conference when you might have a game against a rival the next day that would be vastly more important. And, uh, you know, do you do you just throw in the towel and give up that game and say, you know, what, we got a big game tomorrow. Uh, you, you can score on us and just take this one because we're, we're not, <laughs> yeah. we don't have the energy to do this. We got to beat the Islanders tomorrow.
0: Right, exactly. So here's the here's the other part of this that we need to consider as well. I think if we're going to make these changes or extend the overtime of three on three, do we have to adjust the point system to a three two one system in that if you get the victory in regulation, you get three points because again,
1: I think that would decide more games away from the shootout so we did a breakdown of this a while back, probably a couple seasons ago, just to see how much of a difference it would make, and I struggled with this, Todd because. It didn't make as much of an impact in the standings as I would have expected. I I thought for sure, oh, we'll see teams that would have missed the playoffs, that'll make the playoffs, and it wasn't that dramatic. That being said, it is 100% more logical. Each game is worth the same amount of points, whether it's three for one team, zero for the other, or two for one team and one for the other every game is worth three points. And from that standpoint alone, I think that's a no brainer to move to that approach. It's, it's what the double IHF uses. It makes a lot of sense. You don't have the impact that you get today of, well, Hey, we're in a playoff battle. It doesn't matter if we win or lose, but can, can we at least get it to overtime? And I know every fan has been guilty of it. If we have to lose this one, let's at least force overtime. And well, you don't have anything to lose, right? You're, you're just, you're getting sure. a free point basically. So I think there's value in it. And I, I'm, not convinced that it wouldn't change the way teams play because that, you know, we look at the standings now based on the change in points. But if you gave these coaches the ability to earn an extra point, would they approach regulation a little bit differently? Would that be that last second push of, well, we don't want to hang on for overtime because we need three, not two out of this one. So I, I think that one, uh, let's put that in the go green light column.
0: I, I would agree with you, but you're saying that it's logical and it would make sense, right?
1: Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. That's I'm sorry, that's in there. Yeah, rule book. That means it's never gonna happen. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's it for him. Okay. Uh Jack
0: Eichel of the Vegas Golden Knights has a suggestion for face-offs. He doesn't want to get kicked out, and he doesn't want to get kicked out anymore, and he doesn't like that guys get kicked out of face-offs. I understand the point I think he's trying to make in terms of you got to line up here with your feet in this position and you got to put your stick down in a certain order. Maybe we need to loosen that up a little bit. If somebody wants to tilt one way or the other a little bit, let them. But I think a total free-for-all in the face-off circle is not going to be good for anyone.
1: No, you, you see players jockeying for position, and there's always those battles to get the jump on the other guy. Uh, again, I'll, I'll look back and, and remind fans that faceoffs are at dots now. We had a time when the face-off would be wherever the puck oh, was when yeah, it went, went that's out of play, right. and you'd have these random locations for a face-off where it'd just be <laughs> in the middle of the ice somewhere. they just try to line guys up. And it, it was more of a free-for-all because you didn't have hash marks, you didn't have any markings on the ice he didn't even have a dot so it was a little chaotic then I mean it was fun because uh, forget the goalie being set uh, goalies in the defensive zone you you know where the face-offs taking place there's two spots well now that opened the door to all kinds of different spots so in in the chaos meter that was a that was a fun one but it it was a (laughs) bit more of a free-for-all I I think you you got to find that balance there there's a desire by the NHL to have clean face-offs to get the puck dropped and start playing again and to do that, these guys have to follow the rules. And to enforce the rules, you have to kick guys out. And nobody seems to like that. It, it's it's almost one of the mystery things of, why did that guy get tossed? And it's pretty clear. And the, the officials are talking about it. They're letting players know why. But I think we had another suggestion come in, Todd, that, along those same lines of, well, why don't we get rid of face offs altogether?
0: Mm-hmm. Let's get
1: rid of face offs in, and not in every situation. I think they would, you'd still have them after the goalie saves the puck and holds on to it or, or after a goal is scored. But for an offside, you went offside with the puck, you're going to just drop the puck down to the ice, the defending team gets possession behind their goal line, and the attacking team needs to stay out behind the blue line. You almost do it like a like a throw-in in soccer or basketball of just let the other team take the puck and we keep on playing. You don't even have to blow the whistle, right? You the, blow the whistle yeah. for the icing, you keep the clock running, they bring it down below the goal line, you clear the zone, and we, we keep on going and just get rid of the face-off altogether.
0: The other option is, okay, we'll loosen things up in terms of face-off, we won't kick you out, but we won't have and tolerate the shenanigans that go on of jockeying for position. So if you don't do it right, you get a penalty.
1: Ooh, yeah, that, that could be a tough one. I mean, right now you get the, uh, the two strikes in your out rule. And then after that, you get tossed again, you you could get a penalty and we've seen those come up. And anytime it does, the broadcast crew holds it against the officials for making (laughs) these guys accountable, not for the players (laughs) who did anything. It's always the official's fault for doing it. But, uh, you know, maybe that is a thing. maybe, and and i know we want to see the battles the nhl changed rules in the past about physical contact on a draw that you're you're not allowed to have contact before and maybe we go back to that nobody touches sticks no let's give these guys a two-foot buffer between them so only the guys taking the draw are even lining up against each other maybe that's the way to go because now you uh you separate them enough. It's like kids in the preschool class. You just keep them far enough away that they can't reach each other to have those
0: shenanigans. <laughs> can't cause any trouble if you can't get entangled. Yeah, that's true. The, there's a few other suggestions that are not surprising that have come up. Jake Ottinger of the Dallas Stars suggests better defined goaltender interference rules. And it's like, I, I guess that's okay Um It This is more of a question, I think, than a suggestion, but I want your thoughts on this one in terms of goaltender interference. I'm wondering if the player tracking that we have heard so much about and have only seen a fraction of this stuff implemented, would it then be possible to determine if a player is trying to stop Before he has contact with a goaltender or is trying to get out of the crease, right now everybody's guessing by looking at a video, is the technology do you think going to be sophisticated enough that we could tell if a player shifts his weight and tries to stop or tries to move or back out of the crease?
1: It would be lovely if we could, anytime we can use tracking or, or any of that data to, to address penalty or player situations, it, it's ideal because there's there's no judgment involved. But I don't know that it'll get there. And I don't know if it'll have that granularity to the level that we'd need, even when it comes to arms and legs. And, you know, where's where's the goaltender position? Well, he's in the crease, but is his glove outside of the crease? And is the player's arm over the line in the crease? Remember, we're looking at the crease as a plane. So when contact happens, it's happening in or outside of that. Uh, that being said, I think there might be some opportunities. I'd, I'd love to see them get some overhead cams for visualization that maybe we could identify where that plane is a little bit better and, and confirm what was over the, the plane of the goal crease or not. And there's always the opportunity... It'll be simpler, but fans and players might not like it to go the way of the double IHF and, and just start looking at any contact in the crease or or preventing any of that from taking place. It would it makes for a cleaner rule, but it also makes for more whistles and, and more goals being disallowed. So it's it's a tough spot. I would love technology to solve this one. I don't know that we're ever going to have that ability to do it, but it would it would help because as you mentioned, Todd, the hardest thing is is trying to determine intent.
0: I got to tell you, I am very impressed with that answer, and you know why? No, why? because you use the word granularity. I really <laughs> like that.
1: Hey, you know we've we've got to have the the word of the day on the podcast, so I guess we'll we'll mark that one down.
0: That one fits. Matt Barzell, when asked about which rule would you change, adjust, or add, went to his phone where he has a list of ideas for the game. And I love that. I love that players are thinking about the game and thinking about ways to improve it, make it better, and and make things different. And the first thing he suggested, of course, was to get rid of the referees. Okay, <laughs> I'm exaggerating a little bit. Well... But but he did say that, you know, if there were only two officials on the ice, that might be better because they always seem to be getting in the way. And it is it is a struggle. I, I get that. But again, we've talked about... Player tracking and puck tracking being used to track offsides. The only thing that might be an issue is what if some of those shenanigans, as they call them, begin out on the
1: ice? Exactly. You've got to remember they have different responsibilities, the officials on the ice, that is. So you've got the referees calling the penalties and and positioning is critical on watching what they see and figuring out what they need to call. And the linesmen, in addition to working the lines and the icings, are breaking up fights and and keeping players separated when need be. So you're going to have to pull double duty. I I don't know that you could put that in the hands of just two on-ice officials and have them Keeping track of penalties and separating players, because obviously when you're in the midst of everything, you can't keep tabs on who's doing what. You can't keep the peace out there. So that separation has always been pretty critical. For what it's worth, Todd, we did a look back. I couldn't find any incidents of Matt Barzell running into or shooting pucks at officials. So <laughs> he's personally done a pretty good job of avoiding them. But uh, you know, I, I understand his point. I think there's there's definitely a concern as we move forward with hockey. You know, is there a way to scale back and and maybe there is but i think it's hard with the game because of the the duality of roles you've got linesmen doing one thing you've got referees doing the other and you really can't expect one guy to cover all those things so i don't think we can get there sorry maddie but uh, you know the the eye in the sky might be able to supplement the officials but i don't think it can replace them on the ice
0: Right. I think that we need some other technological innovation to maybe help with that. And the only thing I can think of right now is like shock collars like oh, they yeah. use for dogs. And that, and I don't know if they're the Players Association going to go for that.
1: Well, they might not, but uh, I'll tell you, you know, you get a scrum breakout on the ice, you just hit the button, all the players drop. And we Boy, that cleans after. things
0: up, though, doesn't it? OK, one more. One more to get to from Robert Thomas of the Blues, who wants to get rid of the travel dress code. Um, I don't know. I don't don't know about that. Uh, Jack Hughes wants to get rid of the coach's challenge. And we talked about that. Jared McCann says, uh, let us change on icings. But I I don't think that
1: that should happen. I'd like that. If you ice the puck, you got to stay out on the ice. Yeah, I I think that's a good one. I, I think a more compelling argument would be Nick Suzuki's change to delay of game penalty for puck over glass of treating it like an icing. Though Suzuki didn't come up in an NHL where players would a bit more free about shooting it over the glass to get a stoppage so that's something that uh that he might not be expecting, but I, I know we hear a lot of that for the delay of game penalty being treated like an icing, and and again, not letting players change. There's your your punishment there, and you know, do you give them a free pass? So you get you get one free pass at shooting the puck over the glass. After that, it's a penalty every time. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's a way to go. But I I did find it funny that Brady Kanchuk wants to get rid of the instigator penalty. That's that's not a self serving change or anything. That's, that's not.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I no, I I'd, I'd go the other way and I'd call more instigator penalties. So I maybe we'll just have to leave it the way it is. For for the time being,
1: yeah, I, I I hear you on that one. I think there's definitely situations where they could call it a bit more aggressively, just to police the game, have it a bit tighter on those clean hits that might result in a fight afterwards. You have guys dropping the gloves after a clean hit. And I know you want to stick up for your teammates, but Mm -hmm. in those moments, it looked like this past season, they've, they've been a little more aggressive with how they've called that instigator penalty to try to say, like, you can't go after a guy on every hit. Let, let us hand out the penalties and look, we have major penalty reviews now, so we can make sure we're getting them right. But, you you can't go out and police it yourselves so the the instigator penalty in those types of situations i think is right and i, and I think they should call it more so you you're right on there todd sorry mr kachuk we're we're going to agree to disagree uh, definitely
0: Good suggestions, though. Really good discussion. I'm glad the players had so many uh, forward-thinking ideas, lots to talk about. If you've got some that you want to hit us with, hit us on the social channels, please, at ScoutingTheRefs on Twitter and on Instagram. at ScoutingTheRefs.com is the email address as well. We've had lots of talk and discussion about the business part of the NHL also. And if you go to ScoutingTheRefs.com, you'll see more on... Your suggestions, thoughts, ideas about possible sponsorships for the patch that will, I suggest, inevitably go on the officials' jerseys. And one occurred to me a couple of days ago, Josh. I was lying in bed awake at night and it's like I had an epiphany like, this is the one, this is the one. I think that will work. It's, it's got to be the right kind of company. It's got to be the right kind of fit. Yep. We know it's a limited number of possibilities. You can't just put anyone or anything on the referee's guard. But here's one I'm pretty sure that everybody can agree on. Okay? My suggestion, They and they've got lots of money to spend too, because they've been spending a lot of money, so the hockey-related revenue is going to go up. The patch on the referee's jersey, and I've got the slogan, it should be prilosec why prilosec because sometimes you can't stomach the call
1: oh ah that is that is brilliant that is perfect and i I think it is very appropriate plus it 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 might be good advice for folks (laughs) when they're dealing with officiating it's good for everyone great product placement
0: we're good good job you're good my book good stuff man way to work yeah, we're good, man. Too long. Let's go sit for a couple.
1: Get in the box. It's the Scouting the Refs podcast. Read more at scoutingtherefs.com. Follow Scouting the Refs on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Scouting the Refs. Email the show at HeyRef at ScoutingtheRefs.com. Subscribe, share, and keep those sticks down. Money. That's nice. Uh, nicely done. That's good play.